listening to Underrepresented Representatives with your host, Miss Naja Imani Muhammad, actor, educator, director, host, advice enthusiast, self-love advocate, friend, healer, lover, and David Quill. Hey, yo, how do you have more like names now? And I, I did notice that on the Gmail. I saw what you did there on the signature. You got like pot, podcaster, educator, LinkedIn specialist. I don't know. I didn't say no. <laughs> LinkedIn. I said nothing about LinkedIn. Nothing about LinkedIn. Listen, I said, you know, I always have my little like my little nicknames. Why not actually say my titles? And then nah, I was like, I say for Dave? I don't know what he does. Yeah, I just put my LinkedIn and my phone number just in case. Like, let that just do it. I don't know. That's how I do it. Where's Kelly? You put your phone number for what? For business. Like, I don't send that to every Chill, come on. We're recording and this in the middle of the intro? We can't edit that. <laughs> listen, listen to everybody who's tuning in. We are so excited to have you listening. We are so excited to be here. David and I love each other. I'm staring at Connor. He's so confused at what's happening. And we have a very special guest on. But before we get to our guest, David, let's get to some sponsorships. Today's episode is sponsored by Virtue. Morals over money. Get your Virtue brand today. (laughs) That That was good. I like that. I have no, we have no slogan yet, but uh, thevirtuebrand.com. My cousin Ed. My cousin Ed. Listen, I got to say, um, you know, my mom was on the last episode. She's been saying morals over money all week, but it really, I mean, it's always made sense. But in today's climate, it is so important to talk about. Um, I was talking with somebody about Mitt Romney and they were talking about how he, you know, pretty much flushed his career down the toilet to just do the right thing. And I, I haven't heard about him in a long time. I didn't know this story. They were talking about how they saw him out protesting. He didn't have a team with him. He didn't have any security. And somebody recorded him and was like, what are you doing? He was like, I believe Black Lives Matter. Yeah, the only, the only thing with him, he's yeah. still, um, I was looking into that because it was weird seeing him out there, especially in Utah. Mad weird. He's still, he's still, like, he did that with all the police chiefs are doing that, police chiefs. They're going out there, they're kneeling, and then... They're saying, nah, we still rocking with Trump, or nah, we're sorry. But, so it's but like, Romney, you gotta really, he, he went out there, though. I, that was very surprising, especially being a part of the GOP. Like, that's way different. Like, yeah. there's like a subset of Republicans that are just so far on this old America idea, but that's neither here nor there. In right this now. old America, I mean, we'll get into other stuff, but literally, if, if people just knew about the virtue brand, if they just heard the phrase morals over money, probably wouldn't make a difference, but the lack of morals <laughs> in politics is like still like mind boggling to me. Like literally just have your morals over money or your, uh, what's next? Huh? Tell the truth. No. People over power. Oh, why you tell them? I, we wasn't even talking about that yet. You cutting that out? <laughs> Hold no. on. Let me see how many. Okay. Two, three minutes and 46 seconds. <laughs> oh, good. But what I'm, what I'm thinking about with that is actually connecting with your brother. I haven't told him yet either. But, you know, his human union project where pretty much a community of neighbors put together money. We want to, I think I want to do um, like a royalty to that permanent um, where like a percentage, like a dollar maybe per shirt sold goes to that to contribute to it. So. That's what we're thinking through right now. Just trying to figure out how to piece it all together. I love that. 
I love that. Um, today's episode is also sponsored by LBC Leaders by Choice. Leaders by Choice is an incredible organization started by my you mom. You see me smiling. I think, I think I'm in, but I don't know if I'm in yet. David, we want David to be president of the board. I'm they, ain't sent me, they ain't sent me the list yet. I still uh, you know. I LBC know. is incredible. David, you know, has unofficially been benefiting from it for years, <laughs> vicariously through others. Um, I was looking at our description that we send out to different schools and whatnot. And LBC, I'm not going to read the whole description, but this particular part stuck out to me. It says, it is our belief that students learn best in an accepting, consistent, and secure environment where all individuals are respected and appreciated for their uniqueness and talents. LBC offers its services to people embracing all races, religions, creeds, sexual orientations, gender identities, gender expressions, and national origins found in the human family. What stuck up to me for that is most often you hear that people, um, they, they like accept people regardless of their race, their ethnicity, their such and such. Instead of LBC saying regardless, we say embracing, right? Because when you say like, oh, you know, I'm accepting you into my life regardless of the fact that you're Muslim or regardless of the fact that you're Jewish, you're saying like, oh, well, it doesn't matter that you're that because we are all one, which is an okay sentiment. But what I think people are starting to talk about a little bit more is that we need to embrace these different cultures, right? Grew up hearing like, oh, I don't see color. Someone actually wrote that on Facebook the other day and was like, oh, Miss Muhammad, you know, we had Naja and Girl Scouts and we never saw her color. And it's like, well, you should. That's weird. Yeah, and she doesn't do <laughs> they never. But like embrace all of our differences, right? I'm looking at my screen right now and it's beautiful. It's like a palette with, you know, we got our caramel mocha latte, almond croissant. We got my little, my little <clears throat> macadamia nut. <laughs> my little macadamia nut. You know what I'm saying? We got... We got Jaren out here in these streets, a nice chocolate chip. And then you got me, a little chocolate peanut butter dip. No one's going to quote me. I'm going to be like canceled, blasted. (laughs) This is how she's separating people already within. Embrace it. Because could you imagine how delicious this would taste all mixed together? Um, I'm no comment. But in the, in the, in the, in the metaphor that you're using, I would like all those pieces of food together. How about that? I'm hungry. <laughs> I got you. I'm hungry, but I'm most hungry to get into this delicious discussion. Let's introduce our guest. There you go. That was good. I like that. Good job, Don. Beautiful. I'm practicing. There you go. David, who do we have on today? So we have my brother from another, uh, my man, Jaron Curry. Uh, me and Jaron been friends. How long have we been friends? About five years? Uh, well, at least five years, right? Yeah, five years. We started working together at... Um, and we both know why we just like naturally gravitated to each other because we were just two pretty much the only two black dudes that had any type of corporate role at and the trials and like tribulations like I wrote in the email like the things that we went through it just made our bond stronger but then also we had a mutual friend our boy Ben who we would always go over there hang out but Jaron he's not someone to be the loudest, but he, he has the most impact, I think. For me personally, and just seeing how he moves as a friend and like, he won't, he'll be late as hell to somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> he'll show up three hours later, but you know, he got your back. Um, so I wanted him on here to really tell his story because I think he has a great story, especially his background. Um, so here's Jaron Curry. Tell us yeah. about you. Congrats. Thanks for the intro, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, me and Cole back, what, 2014 probably? So 
Yeah, uh, so just a quick background, I guess, right? Um, I'm originally, I was born in D.C., um, then moved to Georgia. I was like 13, grew up in like the heart of the South, like Georgia, like this is a, like early, mid-2000s, so like not like this progressive Georgia that you see on TV, just like Georgia, like the Confederate flag, still like Georgia, that Georgia. Um, went to college in South Carolina and then moved up to New York about 2013, so about almost seven years ago. Uh, worked with Dave, and then now I'm at right now. I'm working in a similar capacity right now. Where are you at right now? That's the first thing everybody goes first to. Thing, first, first thing. You can't even like, what's your name? How you doing? Like, yo, you think you're giving you me tickets? You told me. I heard you was in Confederate Georgia. Okay, okay. Where the tickets at? <laughs> David, when you used to work for I remember you, you weren't even working for them for like a year and I hit you up like, yo, it's good with the tickets. You're like, Naja, I do not work there. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. It took about a good two years for people to realize like I couldn't- Look at the sex now tickets like two years later. Yeah. You're like, first of all, I don't work there. Second of all, <laughs> there are no games. We are so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I've been like October. Like, yo, you think you give me some tickets? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for the biggest game, like you got me, right? <laughs> yo, you definitely got me. It's yeah. all good. That's funny, that's funny. But no, Jaren, we definitely appreciate you being on. Um, and I'll kick it over to Naja for all that she does. <laughs> I do want to ask, so what, um, I think you, you mentioned it, but can you elaborate on what your role is? So I work in the suites and catering department. So we run operationally all of our suites, um, all of our clubs, like pretty much every premium area. Like we're in charge of operating, overseeing the service side and the F&B side of that. Nice. Yeah. And so... You like you would say it's pretty corporate what you work, right? Yeah, so I work. It's actually funny. So I work with a team of six women. I'm the only male on my team, but I'm also the only black person on my team as well. So um, it's a very unique situation because I that was like the only black person period, and it was like a male dominated industry. It is a male dominated industry, but um, just to kind of go from that and now be the only male on the team, but then still be the only black person, you see things through like a very unique lens. And are they mostly white women that you work with or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What is that like? Because it's beautiful. You know, I'm a woman and I love the strides we're making in equality for women's rights. So I'm sure they feel really good. Does, mm, I don't, say say what you have to say and, and tell us to stop at any point. But does view it as diverse because it's a team of mostly women and they're like, oh, well, we have one black guy. Yeah, so I, I will say that. As a, as a whole, it's probably like one of the most diverse companies we have. Like the SVP of the whole arena is black. Um, you see a lot of directors, VPs who are gay, who are like women, Asian, black. Like you do see a lot of diversity in higher positions. So that's been very fortunate. But I think I say that just because we have a huge company. Like so, I'm just seeing a lot of people. It's like all these different departments. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of people. But then when I really get down to it, I'm like, wait, I'm still the only black person in this space, and you know, I. I know somebody who's the only black person in their space, like whether he's in security. And it's interesting to take a step back just because you see everybody from all these different departments and you think, oh, yeah, this is super diverse. But then why is everybody still having that experience of they're the only black man on the team? So Yeah, I feel like in that's obviously in the last few weeks, that's been highlighted more where you have these different companies that are like, no, but we we've made strides and it's OK. Like, it's beautiful that many places have made strides. I work for theatrical and it's, it's similar in my particular department we probably are the most diverse the the education um department and now i'll say this because people have been sending emails um what is it called furloughed 
right? When you get furloughed, obviously all the teaching artists we're not teaching right now because we're not having performances, but in the education department, it was diverse because it's more diverse than other departments, but we had, um, all I'm going to say is that the positions, the two positions that were furloughed were the two positions that brought diversity to their team. And it's also, you know, they weren't as senior, um, but while my department is very diverse, we have been engaging in conversations because we still have a long way to go. And the thing is, people have to just realize that, you know, it's going to be a long marathon, right? What's the, the phrase? I said that wrong. Sprint, not a race? No. Race, not a sprint. Race, not a sprint. A sprint would be like, ooh, we got there. Yeah. And it's like the race. It's a marathon, marathon. <laughs> marathon. <laughs> it's a race. It's not like both of them are race. <laughs> I'm like, wait, but that's a race. Like, Naj, to your point would be we just go to the end of the street. Yeah, Naj, to your point, though, speaking about that specifically, like, unemployment is still going up for black people and everyone else is going down. And that's like, if you can't figure out, if anyone out there can't figure out that something is happening that not necessarily shows in the statistics, but like how black people are treated, especially in the corporate world, because that's a whole nother beast. And I know it, Darren has plenty of stories. We talked about plenty of these stories. You don't have to share all of them. <laughs> share ones you're comfortable with, of course, but there's just things that like something as small as like, oh, you got to be more buttoned up. Like, oh, what does that mean? Like, I know what it means when they say it to me. That means they want you to have your tie straight, not the top button unbuckled, unbuckled. They want to make sure that your suit is is like almost tailored or you have to actually spend the money on tailored. And not everyone has that money to do that. So it's very interesting when you see how all these statistics come up. Coronavirus says black people are being affected. You already knew about systematic oppression and the way the police interpret the law. Well, the bad apples or however we want to put it, because we all got to be politically correct. But there's things that are going on right now, but I think there's a major problem in the corporate world. The reason being, they think that these blanket statements are going to cure everything. Um, I saw someone put for diversity inclusions, like inclusion comes first. And I'm mm. like, and I'm trying to figure out if I agree with it because I work in DNI. And it's like, if you think about inclusion being first, that means I have to hope that the people in the room are considering me rather than bringing the people that I know look like me to the room first and then figuring out what inclusion looks like. So I'm still like in my mind debating like what, cause that means if inclusion comes first, I have to hope as a black person that there's someone black there for me. And I may be interpreting it all wrong, but in the corporate world, it's like a fucking shit show. Excuse my language. Well, I think that, and I want to hear from you in a, in a moment too, Jaren, that's a tough, I'm still I'm grappling with that since you said it too because I like to believe inclusion comes first only because a lot of places corporate whether it's corporate schools and I've now worked in in all of those where you like you bring people in I remember my college you bring people in or my high school and it's like oh great we're diverse now but these folks don't feel included they don't have a space where they can talk and it's just like you didn't solve the problem just by checking off a couple of boxes I don't right. know really interesting yeah jaren what do you think yeah i think like yeah ideally inclusion should come first but you have to have somebody first to include so you can't really make people feel comfortable if there's nobody there to be made feel comfortable right so for me 
I feel like now it's just trendy. A lot of companies kind of went out just to say like, we support inclusion and diversity. And it's like a blanket statement. And I feel like a lot of companies just said something so they didn't come across as racist or prejudiced. But I, it was, I saw something on Instagram or Twitter where like, I think it was SP Barcelona like put out a statement and they said like, we, so we are against all forms of racism, whether it's through like gender, like sexual orientation. I'm just like, you're just, you don't even know what racism means. Like you're going so far <laughs> talk about like you're anti-racist and then you just bring in all these things so i feel like people aren't really giving that much thought they're just like let me just say what i think let me throw in the buzzwords but we don't really actually care about what's going on we don't really care to address anything and like i've had some uncomfortable conversations recently where i have like a lot of my coworkers like just randomly like burning out like oh like i've been thinking about you and i'm just like this is weird this see is- <laughs> i don't know see? yeah it's so awkward yeah I- how since everything oh god sorry Nadia. oh no just with this conversation uh and i may have said it last week i'm not sure because i've been having so many of these like all of us but i love that meme that's like oh i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate your post about black lives matter can i please see your executive board that's right my, because like, like you said people are just doing these blanket statements like we stand with such and such but like why don't you actually take a real deep look into your policy and your company like just my dad was talking, he was going off yesterday about how, like, given the opportunity, black people will excel. Like anyone would, but right, we're not given the opportunity. So you have a lot of people who in their mindset are just like, no, 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 um, you know, do this job instead. Or like, yeah, you've been given all these opportunities. They just choose to stay. I literally heard someone say like, oh, they just choose to stay in the ghetto. You saw Malcolm X said he wanted to be a lawyer. He literally, in his book, he said, he told people he wanted to be a lawyer. And they said, no, you shouldn't do that. Be a carpenter instead, right? So people don't blatantly come out and necessarily say that type of stuff to us anymore, but it's still it's still in the system, in school systems. It's like, why don't you try to do this? You see so many people going to trade school, which is great. There's nothing wrong with it, but we're constantly being told, eh. we're constantly being told that we should be the other or the second best um, I won't mention any companies or names, but I helped somebody write a letter um, to a big person at a company. And they were like, I don't want to send any of these blanket letters. I want to go straight to the top. And they were talking about a position um, where it's kind of crazy that there's never been a black person in this position in 23 years. And in the letter, my friend wrote um, blah, 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 all these things and gave all these accolades. And I was like, listen, this company knows they're great. We can delete some of these accolades, right? Let's get straight to the point. You're going to the, the head of the company. They don't need to read all this. And then it said, in the future, there should be um, a black person created or there should be a black person who's able to take this, this leadership position. And if that's too much, we can create a tutelage role and maybe they can be the assistant such and such. And I was just like, why did you write that? Like you wrote that because somewhere in your brain, you're like, well, maybe I'm asking too much. You're not asking too much to be given a position of leadership or power. For us to think that we have to always say, I'd like this, but if I can't get that, maybe I can be assistant. That's, it just ties into this lack of confidence that's been instilled in us, generally speaking. It's not all of us, um, but I just think that's interesting. And that's a, a very corporate company that this email went out to. Yeah, so, and you even look at like the rallying cry, like our rallying cry is like Black Lives Matter. Like that's like the most baseline, like, hey, we exist, right? Like, look, like a lot of other marches and it's about pride and empowerment and like it's pride night and it's like the movement women like like march and it's all these like powerful things and we just are like striving for like neutrality like hey we exist hey we matter and that has well, before today was like controversial like 
And then you got hit with the rhetoric of like, all oh, lives matter and blue lives matter. Just So just, again, like something as basic as mattering was asking for too much. And we're literally just asking to breathe. Right. We're just asking our, to breathe. Our rallying cries are oxygen and mattering. Like that's, our, <laughs> that's the part. You ain't lying about that. Jared, tell me, because I know the stories, but I was talking to a friend last night that works for another sports team on, in California. And because I work for such a diverse company, like there's like 35 of us and no one looks like the next person, right? But he was like, it's very different right now. And it's very weird going into work because I don't know who has my back, which I found very interesting that he was like calling it out specifically, trying to understand what is going on because he's working with a number of people that don't look like him, whether they be white, Asian, there's not many black people. How is it for you right now? And how are you doing balancing essentially because it's changing from what used to be business is business to now like business and personal is business and personal. Right. Yeah. That, that line is gone now in a, in a <laughs> way. Um, it's been hard. The, the first day everything happened with George Floyd, I actually took the next day off mm-hmm. and it wasn't like a big national story yet. I just saw that video. I've seen countless things like that. And so I'm just needed today because I didn't necessarily feel comfortable getting on a Zoom call with like seven of my coworkers and none of them look like me and none of them are really experiencing what I'm experiencing right now. So it felt like very lonely, right? Just from the jump. Then you slowly start to see like the national reaction. And this is over, I guess, like the first or second week, you slowly start it to become like, see it to become like a real issue. And yeah, like like you said, like you don't know because, you know, you're friends with your colleagues on social media and you have conversations about them with them about everything. And then on certain issues, they're quiet. You know, or they say things that were well-intentioned but made it worse than if they hadn't said anything at all. Or they feel compelled to say something just to say something, again, like just to appear that they're not, but they might not have been sincere or really even thought out. And so it's kind of hard because, like, people ask you how you're doing. And, like, the honest truth is, like, this is rough. This is terrible. Like, I'm tired. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. And I felt like this for a long time. And you want to answer the question, like, honestly. But then... Another part of you is like, all right, this is work. Let me focus on the project. I have a deadline to meet for this project. And you're trying to just compartmentalize all these different things. It's exhausting, man. Like I've never really had to. And then again, this is compounded with like, there's actually like a global pandemic going on top of all of that. So trying to balance all these things is tough. And like I said, you don't know like everybody's pure intention. Like you have one girl that casually texted me. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry things going on. Um, I'm moving to Hoboken tomorrow. But after that, I'm definitely down to go to a rally if you want. (laughs) It was, so, it was so casual. And like, yeah, down. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> I'm riding with you. <laughs> it was like, wow, like that came from a good place, but it sounded so casual. Like, I don't know what to think Like, about. this is real right now. Nah, like, people be trying, though. I feel try. You feel the tension, too. Like, you get the text, and you're like, like, they don't know what to say. I'm like, yo, if we're boys, if, well, I'm not a boy at all, but, like, if we're friends, this be, like, I remember when Connor couple weeks ago and it was just like yo how you guys like what's up how y'all yeah. doing we need to catch up like connor didn't make it feel different than yeah. usual and i and i get it and it's tough like some of the the support that i've gotten like it is beautiful but like why does it have to be a so casual like you can tell they were like let me make it casual but if we've never talked before Nothing. i don't need you to be like hey yeah, like that. yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of you and but i'm gonna be moving to hoboken where there's also no black people um but i'll come back and do a rally like Nah, send me an email that says that's a box square. That's better. 
Send me your send me your send me black square. Yeah, send me your black square. That's easier. That's what the <laughs> yo imagine. <laughs> imagine we all got black squares. Yo, that'd be great. <laughs> Thank God that didn't pick up. Like even the black square on Instagram. I when people did that, I thought that was so stupid. Like this is your time to say something, and you choose to say absolutely. And they let in just because of so. That's why, like, I like that Dave Chappelle. Did y'all watch that? Yeah, I saw it yesterday. Like he explained it perfectly. Like no one wants to hear from celebrities, and if you if you do need to hear from them, like they need to be putting people together. Like that's it. Like directing people, but like no one wants to hear from Jaru. That's like not right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ja. What's my name? Are you Ellie? Oh, relax. I want to hear from Jaru. Matter of fact, I'm about to look him up right now. That mic don't even work. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, why'd you come on? Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so true. You know what? I appreciated the people. I mean, the black square, I think people were confused and like, it was cool how fast the message spread that we were trying to stand in solidarity and do the blackout Tuesday. People misunderstood yeah. the message, of course. But I saw some folks trying where they were like, I'm not just posting this. Here's a like, I'm posting this in a list of resources. You know what I mean? Like, it was it was a little bit confusing, and I was like, "How did this spread so fast?" That's what I'm curious about the most. Is like how like I get we're fed up, but like I've never seen something happen to like I've never seen so many people support black people. Right. Like straight up companies too. Company like I've never seen. It's like so different. It's like a different world. Like even when I talk to my family, like. I walk down the street and people are giving me head nods. Like I'm usually the weird person giving them a head nod. And I'm doing that to make sure that they see my face. So if they ever go crazy, they know not to shoot me. Like that's really how I, like, that's what I think about. Like, that's literally like cops. I see them head nods. Like I'm a good person. Like you have to walk around like that. At least that's how I felt. It's also nice to me because this is the first time where I feel like I haven't had to make, white people feel comfortable yeah. and like it's like a relief because I feel like I spend the majority of my like day like on a typical day like all right I'm going to work in the middle of winter all right let me just make sure I can make it to the train safely I get on the train let me make sure I'm standing far enough from somebody so you don't feel uncomfortable I get to work I have to make sure that everything that I say makes doesn't offend anybody or if somebody says something offensive to me how do I react about that and you're just constantly going through these gymnastics all day all, all these different meetings. Then you get home from work and you're like, all right, it's nighttime. Let me make sure I take my hood off and walk on the other side of the street so I don't make somebody feel uncomfortable. And you're just consistently going through your day, literally trying to make people comfortable just for like a survival standpoint. And so with that, it's like I was always very cautious of what I said, how I said it, my tone, because of course I'm angry if I say anything with like yeah. some kind of like confidence. So I have to say everything a little bit like a little bit passive. And now I can just say whatever. I can speak freely. And people will listen in a way that used to just get dismissed as an angry black man or he's always bringing up race again. And it's, it's nice to just be able to actually have an honest dialogue and start to have an honest dialogue. And I hate that when in the past people would like embrace it, like that people just talking, like people just be talking and someone can get offended from the color of your skin. Think about that. That's crazy to me. And everything is hyper-focused between what you wear or what you don't wear, how you dress. Like it's just... It's it's crazy and it is that is true. There's been some ease 
because of this to where we can just live and not be worried about walking out of our house. I would say being, you know, I'm in North Carolina right now. My parents live in this sort of golf community. They don't golf. My dad does not golf. He thought seven years ago when they moved down, he was like, yeah, well, maybe I'll pick it up. No, you won't. He ain't picking up a golf club. He ain't picking up a golf club. It's hot. It's hot out there. And it's hot. (laughs) I've been taking my walks around the neighborhood and I've noticed. So I will say this. When I would visit for the last seven years, I was like, yo, everyone says hi to each other. So it is like that down south anyway. You drive by and it's like the waves in the neighborhood and you walk by and it's like, hello. So that hasn't changed. It could be totally up here, but I feel it feels a little bit different taking the walks now too. Because to be honest, it's either like really overtly like, oh, hey, oh, I'll move for you. I'll move for you. Or more people, exactly. Or more people have been, become silent in this golf community. Right. I'm just saying it like some of them, and it's like, oh, they're like, I hope she doesn't think that I'm one of them. And then the other ones are just like, I am one of them. It's just interesting. And I know that um, David said in the beginning that you grew up in Georgia and you were saying it was like not that woke part of Georgia. Do you still have like, family or friends there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom lives down there. And like, so like Athens is like a relatively liberal town, I guess, relative to Georgia um, in the sense that like, you will have like issues like if you just walk down the street, like at least where I live. But like I went to a high school. Athens is like a very like black like city, and it's a very. I went to a 75, 80 percent black high school, and still managed to be the only black person in all my classes. You know, and it it was it was wild. You know, and there's a lot of like you just feel like kids would wear like Confederate flag T-shirts to school. Like when I first moved to Georgia, the Georgia flag was like the state emblem was a third of it, and then the rest of it was Confederate flag. That was, you saw them on bubble stick, you just see them everywhere. And it's like, I knew that was wrong. And I remember like feeling like, and I'm coming from like DC, I'm like, yo, what is going on? Like they really do this down here. And just to see that, like the embrace of it, and like, oh, it's like, it's heritage, not hate. And like the limited thinking, I'm just like, like heritage of what? Like what, what are y'all fighting for? Like, like just think this through, like you can't love America and love the Confederacy. Like why are you celebrating this? Like it was anti-American. and. You can't. You couldn't even begin to have those conversations, and I don't know how it is now. Like I, I saw friends and family down there, but I moved for a reason, you know. I lived down there. I lived in Atlanta for four, three years, and like you, just it's a different place. Like it's very, like it's, it's real. It's not because I, I want to be make sure I'm not saying it the wrong way. It's not segregated, but black people know where they're going, and white people know where they're going, and that's really all you ever see. Is black and white people. There's nothing really in the middle, but everyone is very cordial from what my experience, from what I've seen. But also, there's ways where, like, interactions I've had with black people and white people in those areas, like, you got to make sure you know where you're at, pretty much. Like, you can't just be out of town or especially from New York having an accent. Like, you'll stand out and they'll call you out very quickly because then they want to know where, like, where are you from? That's the first question. Like, what part? And like, you got to figure out. Like, oh shit, if I say the wrong thing, so I just tell him Marietta, which is like a suburb outside of. <laughs> like, no, nah, I live in Marietta. I know John's from. Yeah, I don't know nothing about nothing. But it it is different. It's different the way people like you don't know. It's like almost living in the time now, which is kind of crazy that it resembles the time now. How I was living in Atlanta, like some, I remember a vivid. I forget what the argument was. It wasn't between me. It was just this white lady and a, and a black person. 
And the lady was acting very like nice, like that southern nice, like bless your heart type nice. Oh, bless them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like that. And then she just like there was like a switch that just switched on. I was like, ooh, that's like different. It was like this look in her eye. You can't really explain it. It was right. it was weird, but it was like that anger that just came out. She was trying to be nice and then because it was the respectful thing to do, but then she just changed the entire dynamic of her body and her body language. When, when did she change? Huh? When did she change her body language? When they were having the conversation and began to argue. She was like done trying to be nice. Wow. It was different. And I'm not, I'm not saying it was just white person doing it. It was just the way she changed. I've never seen nothing. Someone be so nice. Or like when I'm on the phone trying to sell them something and I'm telling them like, hey, and then they realize that I'm black. Like I had a guy call me a brownie on the phone before. Like the way they just know that you're like, all right, you're not from Georgia Tech. Like this is what I know who you are. Or like when I would go meet them, it was very different because people get mad at salespeople all the time, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, we're not bad people. People get mad all the time, but then if they already have these biases, right? Like they're like, oh, I would never even talk to you anyway. Like if it feels that you step out of line, you're done. Oh. In fact, I'm going to read. I mean, we're all seeing, first of all, Connor says that the Mississippi flag still has Confederate flag on it. Yeah, there's problems everywhere there's problems everywhere the south is still far behind obviously but then it's crazy i know you don't have facebook david but like that you know you're from beacon win page i think every small town has one of those like you know you're from such and such win that is off the chain i'm going to send you some screenshots later where people are coming out and and talking about injustices that they've experienced or just like they they got so upset because someone posted some pictures from these beautiful protests in Beacon. And people in the town were like, this page is about Beacon, not politics, right? And like someone was like, well, this happened like literally on Main Street and it had thousands of people from Beacon. I didn't even know we had that many. And they're like, nope, nope, this is supposed to be um, a place where we reflect and remember Beacon. They're going off about how it's so diverse. There's never been any problems. I'm like, yeah, Beacon is diverse and it's segregated. Like this is the North. It's just, it's just interesting. So I'm going to send you that later. But I also have been seeing so many wild things on Facebook. I have a friend, um, shout out to Macy. She's doing the work. She lives shout in Tennessee. Macy. Shout out to Macy. College student. She's losing so many friends <laughs> over this. And she's like, yeah. I had no idea. You know, because she's someone who probably would have thought like, well, yeah, I live in Tennessee, but it's 2020. Someone from a, a store, a store owner legit wrote, I'm sick of this Black Lives Matter. Take your black is back to Africa and stay. Mm. The only people mistreated in America was the American Indians. They were here first and we came and took their land and murdered them. True. So take your Black Lives Matter and stick it up your, also take all the white ones with you too. This man went in and then on his post, someone was like, yeah, they need to be beat. They need to go back to being beat. I wish they were still slaves. It's like, there are people who are saying, well, I'm not racist. Don't say that. And some guy on the post legit said, I am racist. I'll say it. Like they're coming out. So they're speaking the truth. It's like, you know what? That's scary to me. And I'm like, that really exists. I'd rather, I'm not gonna say I'd rather that. It's just interesting that you have that. And then you have the people who are still hiding it. And that's what's scary. So you have people who are complicit, even black people who are complicit because they're, they're like, nothing's ever going to change. Right. Well, you've got people who are like rallying, rallying. And then you got people. I was on the phone with a friend and he was like, I see what you're doing, Najee, and you're inspiring me. He's like, just to speak up and like your whole family He's like, but 
I'm still working sanitation in Poughkeepsie and the people I work with are using the N-word left and right and nothing's going to change. And so you have that middle ground. I feel like, and this is not to put anyone down, it's not about having a degree or anything like that, but the small hometown folks who never left, who don't have a degree, I'm going to put that out there, or who just don't want to be educated because you can, some of the smartest people I know don't have college degrees. When you read a resource and the first words are systemic racism and implicit bias, they don't read past that because they're like, remember Ali on one of the podcasts, he was joking, but he said this all throughout growing up. He's like, yo, when people use big words, I think they're being disrespectful. (laughs) That's also a movie quote though. (laughs) What's it from? What movie? A 40 year old version. Yes, yes, yes. You're right. You're right. And it's a joke. So I forgot because we we always said that growing up, but it's also true. So you get someone from Beacon who like has never left, who doesn't read and is ignorant. I will say that they're not just staying ignorant by happenstance. Like they're refusing to learn because they open up a document and they see the word racist or they see the word implicit or all these other big words to them. And they're like, no, you're trying to make me look dumb. So I'm not going to read your little resource guide. It's just, it's just so much is coming out of the woodwork right now. Yeah, I feel like the biggest problem is like kind of to back like that ML Clay quote that a lot of people don't really like to talk about is like one from the Birmingham, letter from the Birmingham Bill. He said like the biggest issue isn't like the KKK or like the, the outwardly racist person. It's that like moderate, well-intentioned white person. Yeah. Who is A, just ignorant and doesn't really care to know. Or B, it's like, yeah, like I get what you're saying, but I just don't agree with the method of what you're doing. And they're more upset about the method, whether it's protesting, and they are about what you're actually protesting. And that, to me, is like the biggest, I guess, like detriment to any sort of like form of progress, you know? And until those people are like, you know what, I need to read more. I need to be uncomfortable, be okay being uncomfortable with these conversations, then I think we can actually start to progress. Yeah. So that's, oh, that's no, the way. Oh, I was going to say, that's the way the media, like I was watching something, I think it's AJ, I don't know what it is, Atlantic Journalism, maybe? I don't know. It's um, an Instagram page, but they had this gentleman speaking to the protests and looting. And he was saying these folks have been trying to be peaceful, but now they've been pushed to the point where they're protesting to get their points across. Mm -hmm. The peaceful people aren't doing it. These are separate people that are doing something where the attention now goes to the, to your point, to the looting of these corporations, but they're like, hey, we've been peacefully protesting this entire time and you're not paying attention. But with the media, what they're saying the media does is takes the attention to the materialistic aspect of it because that's what America's initially built on outside of slavery. It's people, it's consumerism. So he's saying, if you're not going to listen to peaceful, how can you say that looting, and I'm not a, like, I don't understand people got to do what they got to do, but this is what the person said. <laughs> How can you say that looting is not part of protesting when you're not listening, when they're being peaceful? And they know that that is like your crutch that they're going to latch onto and try to take down because that's where you're going to pay attention. But then the media goes in and takes that information and uses that to say, oh, that's not right. The way they're going about it, they should be peaceful. And they're saying, no, we've been peaceful right. doing this. But on top of that, that whole thing, that's why I hate the media, because that's you're not even talking about why they're doing it. Right. You're only speaking to what these businesses have lost that have been doing these people wrong. 
Now the small businesses, I get it. Like they work hard. They got insurance. I hope everything goes well. And some of the, you've seen some of the owners come out and say like, we support it. Everything will be all good. But at the end of the day, you can't tell people how to feel. No one can tell anyone how to feel. That's right. at the end of the day. That's why I have no opinion on it. If that's what you want to do, I just got to make sure I'm not in that area to get taken out. Right. And like they had, they had peaceful protests. Like you had Kaepernick and they hated it. Like you, <laughs> had a man, they, you had a man who sat for the national anthem, then met with a, a, a troop. And he said, I think it'd be a little bit more respectful if you kneeled. Then that same troop stood next to him during the anthem as he kneeled. And then the media and the other side just hijacked that narrative and made it about the protest and not what the protest is about. Maybe. And that was the definition of a peaceful protest. So you had it right there for you and you hated it. Then you fast forward three or four years later and then you have the violent protests. And like, no, I support peaceful protests. Like, no, you don't. You didn't. No, you don't. You don't. Because the people, I love the side by side protests. Like, I don't want to wear a mask. To, I just want to live. Right. Like from the people that were protesting in Michigan, like they were strapped up by the governor's like house, like ready to go. Like, and it makes no sense. And like people were always like, "Oh, if you're a Trump supporter, you're automatically racist." That's not true. Like that's one thing I want to make sure that's clear. Like not every Trump supporter is a racist. I think I've heard this before, but like, but every racist supports Trump. So we, you have to understand as a people, when you say that you are pro-Trump, a lot of the folks right now in the moment of history that we being racist happen to be Trump supporters. And I don't believe in a lot of coincidence. Or racism isn't a deal breaker for you. Like, you might not be racist, you might, it's not a deal breaker for you. Like, you might not be racist yourself, but like, you can look past that because the economy matters more to you or tax dollars matter more to you. Exactly, exactly. Because I don't think, I definitely hear what you're saying, David, and I agree, but we're pushing at a point where it's not enough to be not racist, right? We're, we're trying to get people to be anti-racist. And so if you support Trump, you are not anti-racist. I could, I, I hear you saying that you don't necessarily have to be a racist if you support Trump. There is no way you are anti-racist if you support him. And we don't want a world of people who are just not racist. We want anti-racism. Yeah. Because anti-racism is, is actually speaking up, not because of this movement, but speaking up about being one of six people on a team where you only have one black person as a part of that team or seven, whatever it was you said, like anti-racism is there's probably lots of police officers and COs at prisons who care about everyone and who are not racist. And some of those same people who are not racist have stood by and allowed things to happen. Right. And so you, we have to push for a world that is anti-racist. We just have to, um, we, so David, we were talking about this video uh, of that little girl, right? Because this, this next generation or these next generations are speaking they, up. What'd you say? The, I said they're the best. They're the best. They're I want um, to, I remember a couple months ago, we were already talking about allyship and just for you, Jaron, just um, where you work and, and just being in corporate, like your life is corporate. I want to hear about allyship. I'm going to play this video because we wanted to start the episode and we kind of forgot but oh, I just yeah. want to hear your guys' thoughts on it. And I also want it on the podcast. So um, one second. But I want you to listen to this, Jaron, and then just tell me, like, if you ever have anyone who's sticking up for you, like, before this movement in corporate America. All right. One second. So we got this. Boom, boom. Bada, bing, bada, boom. What's up? Okay. You guys. Do you know how many? Can you see in here? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Do you know how many? I actually no. Shut up. 
No. Can you shut your mouth for a minute? No. Because I actually work in the ghetto. I've seen the people. Do you know why I they're in that position? I've seen these people. Do you understand the systematic and historical reason for why they're in that position? They don't care. All they want to do is be ghetto. No. Yes, there's no. Some that don't, good people. No. Most of them just want to suck off the system or do something bad like drugs or gangs. And that's all they They have about. been oppressed. They have it not been given matter. the they same opportunities chances. you have yes, had. They do, and there's plenty of black people. No, they don't, there's plenty Dad. Of, there's plenty of and you not recognizing that as an issue is the reason why it's still continuing today. I see them all over. There's all kinds of successful people that are of color. It doesn't matter what color, brown, white. But it's orange, a lot harder yellow. for them to get to that it position. It doesn't matter. When they do, they're fine. But there's always filthy animals. And that you're, calling, you're calling people of color black no. animals. You're calling them animals. I'm talking, you didn't Are let you me kidding me? You didn't let me finish. That's not okay. No, no matter what, that's not okay. No matter what, it's it not okay. okay. Racism is not okay. Why do you think that racism is okay? Your statistics can't they can be warped. Statistics can be warped. You want to show? You want me to show you videos? So why are my, do you want me to show you videos of cops? Why is why I will why do it. Statistics wrong because they can be warped. I'm not giving statistics right now. They can be warped. Personal experiences can't. No, because this is actually putting it into play. When you, do I need to show you a bunch of videos of cops attacking protesters, peaceful protesters? Listen, listen to this. This is the number. You mean I'm informed and educated? You're not, though. You're, yes, I am. You're one-sided informed. Yes. Mom, I was watching political stuff, and you said to turn that off because you don't want to hear about it. Because that I'm means I am educated on it, and you are not. It. I'm sick of hearing it. The fact that you can have that ignorance, really, ignorance for the majority is bliss. Okay. So ignorance for the minority so I'm is looking at destruction. That are wrong. This is just pure wrong information out there. Just give me the statistic. In 2017, 457 white people were shot to death by the police in the United States. Okay. 223 were black. 76% of the population is white. 13% is black. If, if they were being killed at the exact same rate by police officers, the rate of black people being killed would be 8.9. But it's not. It's 24%. The rate of white people being killed should be about where it is. So they're being killed at a higher rate. There is more white people, meaning that the amount of people killed by cops who are white would be higher. The reaction of the person. I'm not saying it's, they're I'm tired. Not saying it's they're tired right. of being treated. I'm that not way. saying it's right. Good. But if they started teaching them that this is the world that we live in, you don't want to be killed. Why do you think your friend's father taught him that? So that his, this one's so black he, son doesn't end up dead like Tamir Rice. Because he doesn't want him to grow up with the chip on his shoulder that he no one his black son to end up dead. Exactly. That's not okay. Why do you think that's okay? Because why is it something that you're okay with? Why is I'm that a reality that you're okay with? I'm okay with it. But you are. No, I'm not. I'm so saying. stand against it. 
So stand against it. If you're not okay with it, so stand you against it. Stand against it. When the black people in the ghetto stop carrying an illegal weapon, when the black people in the ghetto stop murdering each other, I'll start caring about cops when they stop killing black people. Um, I'll start caring about black people when they stop killing cops. Yo, that's wow. Crazy. wow. I didn't hear that last three minutes. I only got the minute version. Wow. That's That's why it's not enough to be. First of all, she's thinking, okay, I don't think my parents are racist, but they're not anti-racist. First of all, then they expose themselves. She said, the mom said, okay, well, yeah, they're teaching their kids to survive so they don't get shot and stuff. Like, that's not okay. Maybe they should teach them. Maybe they should teach them how to act so that this doesn't happen. We've been being taught that our entire lives. Yeah. I've always had an issue with that whole, like, black-on-black crime thing. I honestly just believe it's a myth. Like, like literally, like people kill themselves. Like, racism the same way. Like, white people kill white people. Black people kill black people. Like, you just kill who you're around, and you tend to be around people who look like you. That's and just crime. I think it's like eighty-two percent of white people kill white people, and like the blacks, it's like not maybe eight or nine percent higher. So, like, to focus on that, it's just like I've never gotten it. I understand it's easy to look at, and black people are guilty of doing that too. The whole like we can't be. You know, we can't have police stop killing us until like we stop killing ourselves first. And it's like I've just never really understood that. And I can't. That's all part of it because they're focusing on our race. They don't call. They didn't rest in peace. Rest in peace to all those beautiful babies murdered in Sandy Hook, like in all the school shootings. Rest right. in peace. Right. They didn't call that. They barely called it massacres. They didn't call it white on white crime. Like it's because they just view our race. Right. right, like, and, and you don't never, like, you never see, like, okay, so, if, like, the majority of school shooters are white. Like, you know, like people get targeted because they get the description of a school shooter. But the majority of, like, pedophiles are, like, older white men. You don't see older white men get, like, targeted by the police in a way that, like, if you see a black person kill somebody, it's like, oh, he, he fits a description. And it's just, I don't know why that never happens to anybody else who commits crime. Because racism in this country, like, you know, you, I heard you, David, you were like, she got stats. Like, that's the type of work that needs to be done. And people are, her parents were clearly willing to just stick in it. And unfortunately, even for us, what similar age bracket, we're all different ages on this, but like, you know, I'm 27, right? Connor, you're 26, 25, something like that. David, whatever, Jaren, I don't need to know. 43, 43. I'm, I'm 64, <laughs> but people still view, I'll talk to different folks uh, my best friend's dad, different people view us as like, oh, they're just young people talking and they'll get over it soon. So I know for a fact that little girl's parents are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She watches too much news. She'll listen soon. I had my somebody say, I won't talk to you girls until you learn to listen. And it's like, I am not, I know I've got a long life to live and I'm not seasoned, so to speak, but I'm a grown educated woman, right? Like, there are people who are older thinking of it as, oh, the young people are just having some little phase. Like they think of this as a hobby right now and they're not listening. It's crazy. It's interesting hearing that girl, like the only person, one of the few people I've ever seen do something like that is my boy, Tommy Joseph. Like if we're ever out. Shout out to Tommy. Yeah. Nah, big shout out. Like when, cause me, like we have a group chat. We talk about this shit way before this, like, way before this and like we always pointed it out but like to really see it that's how I knew he was my boy boy because like when I ever got into a situation or like cops were coming like he'll grab me and be like yo stay behind me like making sure he's presenting himself in the front 
to protect me. And that's sad that we live in a society where I can't even stand side by side to make sure that we're both heard. He has to be the one in front to be able to, to make sure that I'm okay. But I think now we're getting to a point where people are realizing with that video, like that was the first time that was mind blowing to me for first off to see that because it was encouraging to see like people are actually out there fighting for us. So now we got to make sure we're out there fighting with them and at the same time doing our part. Um, and now to the point that Jared made about black on black crime, like I was on that side, understanding that to me, when I first looked at the statistics, I could have been naive in the past, of course, saying like, yeah, black people, but it, to me, it wasn't an issue we needed to tackle right now over systematic oppression. But now that I actually done like even more research, the point that you made, like people kill people around them. Like, so naturally those numbers are going to even themselves out showing the statistics where more black people do live around more black people. I assume that's why that number is higher because there's projects that were built for not even us. They were pretty much just built and then like, Oh, let's put them here. Let's, let's leave them there and let's keep this place solidified where no one is coming into that place. And then that's where you see where gentrification comes in, especially in Williamsburg. Like that's a, that's a different world. That's not even New York no more. That's like, I don't even know what the fuck it is. Freak it is. Excuse me. I appreciate you doing the research and I also appreciate your sentiment of there are more people, more white allies speaking up, you know, not just outwardly on social media, right? Because we have, we have this conversation a lot too, where that's a start, but what else are you doing? Speaking at home and then just educating themselves because the resources are out there and they're available. And I mentioned earlier, like it's tough to read a resource if you feel like someone's calling you dumb, but just get past that. And this is no shade to anyone. They have made the resources for it elementary schoolers you can start there there's a cartoon being circulated around that's helping but i appreciate you saying that we have to stand together and do the work as well i have found myself torn you know i I post i've been posting a lot and just sharing my experience and whatnot and kind of I, i never really viewed myself as a writer after high school i was always told i was a good writer but i write a lot and i don't usually share it and i've been starting to share my writing and people are you know they're excited by it And then I I keep getting the messages like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you know, you do not have to do this. This is not your job. And I understand it. And so I'm torn because it is our job right now. We should also be healing, right? And it's definitely not my job to explain racism to somebody and to like take them through every resource, right? Like I'm a teacher by nature, but I don't need to teach someone every waking hour of every day. At the same time, it does feel like my job because we really are in this together because of that complacency that Connor brought up earlier where people have remained silent. To me, it's my job to share my experiences. So, you know, because otherwise people just, I've literally heard, I've literally had a phone call from a former teacher last week and it was like, well, you didn't feel this, right? And I'm like, just because I didn't feel that at this school doesn't mean that this little girl speaking up doesn't discredit her. So I feel, I understand the friends who are like, I'm exhausted because I'm exhausted too. Not today, but generally speaking, but I do feel, I'm not going to, do a blanket statement for all black people, but I do feel part of this is my job. A lot of those resources going out, I'm not just sending it to folks. Like I'm reading them too, because I have also, I definitely grew up thinking about the black on black crime, right? Like mindsets can be changed. And then we do the research and we realize how ridiculous it is. Also, we were taught in the same school systems. So 
whatever they were taught, where we were taught, like, you know, slavery happened, civil rights movement happened, and then it was over. We were taught the same exact things. So we have to like look outside ourselves for more research. We're not going to always get experience. I'm hearing so much more from my dad that I never knew growing up that I understand being sheltered and protected. And now as an almost 30 year old woman, I need to hear these things. Right. So I don't know. I hear people saying it's not our jobs, but it's our jobs to stay educated as well. Because just like, I think it was you, Jared, who said like, there's people on both sides who are saying, ah, I say the wrong things. It's opinion, but I'm going to stick by it. In my opinion, they're saying the wrong things and they're focusing on the wrong issues because they're uneducated. So it is our job to be educated. And somehow if I see something that sticks out to me, or if I write something, I'm going to share it with the world. I don't need anyone to say, thank you for this. This is not your job. Like just read it, just listen and share resources with me too. I don't know. Does anyone else feel that way? Where yeah, like, I'm, I'm torn on it too. Cause like, actually like my mom's a professor. And so I grew up, in a very like unique, like I was reading like Native Son at like 12, 13 years old. Like, I was like, I was on this whole like race thing right early. Like she, she like let me know like what it was. So I've been talking about this like literally since I've been in middle school. And I've been the angry, I went from being an angry black child to the angry black boy <laughs> to the angry black teenager to the angry black man. Like I've I just, something that's like, always been like near and dear to my heart. And it's funny because we talk all the time and she's like, you know, like it's not my job. I'm a professor and I get paid to teach. Like all my all time, it's not my job to teach people, right? And I'm conflicted too, because, you know, on one hand, yes, like it shouldn't be the burden of ours to undo a system that we didn't create, right? Or benefit from. So I don't think the burden necessarily falls on us. I do feel, I would feel like I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't speak up on it. I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. So I think there's like a middle ground there where like we all have a part to play. And I feel like yeah, like if you have something, share it, you know? And if you don't have something, don't share it. And if you don't want to share it, you don't have to. But if you feel compelled to action, you feel compelled to do something, then like by all means, like just do it. But like I've gotten a lot of texts that I actually haven't responded to about like this whole race thing. And like a lot of people are just like wanting to talk now. And for me, it's like, I've been trying to talk about this this entire time. Exactly. It's like convenient. Or now that you have time, now you want to discuss it. Like I honestly just don't feel compelled to have these conversations with these like, oh, I finally get it now. And I'm like, I'm, I'm glad that happened. I'm, remember, I'm really happy for you. Like, I don't know if I want to engage those conversations. Like, I don't know if that be a bad person or not, but I just don't really feel compelled to have it. But I do have like white friends, like, you know, Craig, uh, David. Yeah. Um, and like, we had these conversations from the jump. Like before, like we've had some really strong, powerful conversations. That I, like you said, like, every friend time, we're like, we've had, I've had an ally before and I do have allies. So I don't want to make it sound like they don't exist because I think exactly. we have them. And I definitely want to commend all of them, but at the same time, like the, the onus is on them as well. And people who don't, who didn't know anything about this to speak up and learn about it and educate themselves about it and then maybe come back and talk about it. Exactly. Cause it's nothing new. I mean, I, I have those same like text waiting and honestly I've been sending out the podcast. I mean, this is partially why we created it. We've been talking about this. We're about the, you know, one year old. Yeah, like, like, yeah, listen to, listen to podcast. Listen, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it right now. I got That's some my reference point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some podcast. Not today. Not today. Um, Jaren, I wanted to, this was like chapters ago, but you talked about your school being like a, a large percent, um, your high school being a large percentage of black kids, but you were still the only one in your class. So yeah. I see that happen with schools all the time. What kind of classes were you in? So I was in like AP classes, like ACP classes, like a lot of the advanced classes. Um, but it was actually funny. So we first moved to Georgia 
And I, I don't want to like, I butchered the story, but I do maybe remember like just being placed in random classes. <laughs> and I don't know how I got there. It wasn't because of a placement test. I literally just got placed in like damn near remedial math. And I was in there with a whole bunch of black people. I'm like, I did my work in like two minutes. And I was like, this is crazy. Like I, and I told my mom, I'm like, mom, like, I'm, I'm learning stuff in like the eighth grade. And I learned already, like in like fourth grade, you know, and my mom was like livid and she marched, she came up to the school, like going off of my teacher. And next thing you know, I was in like the advanced class. And, <laughs> you know, that's me having like my mom as an ally and also as an educator who's like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why is my son in classes? So it's, it's alarming to know that like, I went through that and I luckily had a mom who was able to catch that. But that's, you know, yeah, a lot yeah. of people who are probably going through that same situation, like they're just not even just for no reason for being placed in these classes off of an assumption. And nobody spoke up for them or they didn't have the wherewithal to say like i am smarter than this so i should be around this something yeah. i should be around this that's yeah and i i didn't want to assume so i had to ask i figured yeah. and it just it happens all over in so many schools the south the north like it, there's these assumptions that you aren't going to be able to keep up and i just know even the schools that i was around um beacon wappingers right they had parents who would be like oh no what do, what do you mean? I remember my mom had situations where she'd be like, oh, so-and-so isn't, um, you know, I think they would do better if they were no longer in AP or advanced English or whatever. And parents like, what? But they can't be with those other kids. Right. Literally. Um, and they just said those other kids. <laughs> I was the other kid. <laughs> it's like, you were the other kid, but David, and I know we already talked about your, your work yeah. growing up and stuff, but you are one of the smartest people I know. People sure. are not given a chance. And it's just so disheartening because... Um, I think I said this in the last episode too, but Beacon really was diverse and Ramda was diverse. I'm talking with my friend Amanda. Actually, it wasn't a podcast. We were just FaceTiming. And I was like, yo, I had no classes with my friends, with my black friends, with my brown friends. Like I just had none. And so in my eyes, I was like, man, how come there's not that many? And then I go into the hallway and we walk after school and it's all my buddies, right? And it's just like Glenham. I went to Glenham and then I was... My mom's an English teacher and I was fast tracked onto the advanced side. I was not strong in math and they literally were, they were like telling my mom, oh, we can push so that she's not like intermingled. My mom was like, no, she's going to work. If she's not supposed to be in advanced math, she can be in whatever math class and advanced English instead. And that's when seventh and eighth grade is when I saw that they were doing that divide because all my other classes were these people, but my mom, because she didn't do the mom thing and just pushed me ahead so that I wasn't with those other kids. It showed me like that other kids existed in the school. Right. And I'm like, oh, they're really out here segregating like so many people. There are so many people who could be in an advanced class. Right. Yeah. There's nothing that advanced about it. Yeah. It yeah. is wild too. Like play on like a team. Like I'm, a, I'm on my basketball team. It's number black. My coach is black. The whole staff is black. My whole te- all my teammates are black. Like, and none of them are in my class, but there's guys who I know who are like just as smart, if not smarter than me. And I'm like, there's no reason why I shouldn't see you in my first period class. Like, why aren't you there? And we can talk about the parents, but like in the school system, there should be people there advocating for them. Yeah. It's not about like, sometimes you might have a parent who's working all day and doesn't have the moment to go <laughs> to the school. So like, shout out to your mom, professor, shout out professor. She's in <laughs> that. There should also be people in the school system advocating like there just should. I can go on and on, but yeah, that's supposed to be. It's literally the name of the of the position, the guidance counselor. 
Give <laughs> some guidance. Like it's literally, I, I've told this story before, but I know a guidance counselor that literally told me I would not go to college. Like, you're not going to college. Yo, just notice she was, she gave me the application to Hudson Valley and Dutchess Community College. And that's two local hometown wow. community colleges. They're like 13th grade. And then she got fired for some reason. I don't know what happened. Because of that. And then I got this new guidance counselor, Miss Pohemus, and was like, nah, you're going to a four year college. Thanks. And I applied to one college and got into that one college. Did no, we? SUNY Old Westbury. Oh. I, I didn't get in there. Hell no. They wasn't taking me. <laughs> Hell no. You can't get in with the grades I have. How did you? So you went somewhere else and transferred? To this day, I have no clue how I got into college. Not a single clue. I do not. There's no way. 69 average? You can't get Someone into Someone saw college. something in you. Someone saw something in That's you. Like, I wrote a letter. I figured I'd write an essay. She told me to write an essay. I think she knew someone at the admissions. Miss Pohemus, I wrote this lady, like, a letter when I worked at the Yankees. That was, like, my dream job at the time. I wrote her a letter saying thank you, like, believing in me. Like, yeah. all that sentimental stuff, like, it was real. Because right. I never thought. I didn't know what college was. I thought I was going to the National Guard. Like, that's what I thought was the next step for, like, figuring out a trade. Because my pops was always on that, like, know what you're doing you got to have a secure next step like i I really like that because me and you have conversation but i'm glad you shared that like knowing all this stuff at a very young age because i talk about this all the time on here it's like a lot of people don't realize some people in the black community do know their history and when you do become that person that knows your history in a sense of what happened in america maybe not our ancestry but when we know what's going on we see it so we could look at they could look at us unfortunately, as that person that's going against the grain. But it's like, no, nah, I just want, I want everyone to know the real truth right. of what's going on right now in this world. Because what you're telling me isn't the full truth. And I'm hearing it from the people that I trust the most, which are my family members. Right. And I remember I used to get in trouble all the time in school because I, oh. I never stood for the Pledge of Allegiance. Nah. Ever. <laughs> and like, I was, it, didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. It, it literally made no sense to me. I didn't understand mm. why everybody was standing around doing it. And, <laughs> I, I forgot what happened, and I yelled out, like, why don't y'all just cut my foot off? Like, come on, kick it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget this. Mr. violated the teacher. They called my mom in. It was me, my mom, the principal, and my mom said, like, she put on, like, the face of, like, oh, I can't believe this. She said she's never been so proud of me in her life. Don't yeah. you? <laughs> For real. Like, and that's why it's so important to have those conversations with your kids. Like, let them know. Yeah. You end up getting in trouble because you speak out sometimes, or right. like, like that's not actually true what you're teaching. Right, you. right. So, oh, Jack, he's, he's a bad kid. He's like, no, he just doesn't agree with this, and the narrative is just jacked from there. They and that's why they've changed these textbooks and stuff. They say the truth shall set you free. They don't want us to be free, so they're not teaching the truth. Period. Right. And it's our fault we relied on them to right. teach the truth. That's also like that's the mental game that goes along with all of this. Like. We talk about this all the time. This whole process is going to take us to that place we want to be mentally. There's just stages of it that we're going to tackle one by one instead of trying to go at it. Because that was my biggest fear when this all happened. Like all of us going at it as a whole and just people picking up where the last person left off, the last protesters. You know what I mean? Now we're actually starting to focus in like language means something. Grammys release. I mean, removing urban from their categories. Uh, record companies removing verbiage that relates to just black culture as urban. Like things are being that Nike 
is going to celebrate Juneteenth. Right. Like those things, as much as I don't even think people realize when they say things, it's like as much as like Columbus means to them and right. as much as the Declaration of Independence, like Which these are the things that mean to us. Right. And for, to be, for you to be so passionate about those things that you're glorifying times where we were not set as equal, right. being as passionate as you. So on the reverse side, you should actually, I'm not going to tell you how to feel, but you should respect it because right. we're just speaking up for ourselves. This is what we found out. Because at the end of the day, we're all discovering our history day by day, right. especially black people. Especially. And then you hear, you hear like the whole like, oh, the tearing down of your statue is like the forgetting history. It's like, no, like if you're relying on statues to tell you history, no uh, one reads those tablets. Uh, yeah. And a, a, a statue to me is like a celebration. <laughs> like it's a, you're celebrating something, you're honoring something. And I don't think we should be honoring a lot of these figures like the Confederate flag. Yeah. Right. You're actually not knowing the history. Like, as you said, we're all relearning and learning our history every day. That just means you didn't go past third grade, right? Where you were told, because back then people were like, oh, this is great. People are getting hip to it, you know, Indigenous People's Day, because right. Columbus was terrible. Right. So knock down every statue. Exactly. There's no need for, like, the statues, you're going to, that's like, if we're going to do, like, a simplistic turn, it's like people praising Thanos. Like, it's a movie. It's a meta. Like, of course, right. it's not real, but it's like, you don't praise the villain. They right. lost. Like, how can you get, like, how can you say, like, no, this is a, an important piece? Yes, yeah. in the textbooks. Like, teach us about it. I don't want to walk down the street. I saw a video from Jamil Hill. Jamil. Jamel Hill, Hill, excuse me, damn. Um, the guy was driving, he was coming, I think he was maybe um, a landscaper. He was coming to do the grass and he had a huge Confederate flag. And this black woman comes out and she's like, thank you so much for coming. I know you came a long way, but we're all set. We're gonna go in a different direction. And her husband's like, yo, she don't like that flag. She's like, no, it's not. She did respectfully. She goes, it's not about the flag. It's about where I'm paying my money. And I don't, I'm not going to pay you for your services. No. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. He was like, you can take down the flag. He was like, I'll take down the flag. No problem. She was like, no, you have the right to do that. That is your, that is your right. I don't want to tell you. Like, she's being respectful to him, even though she could have just went off. He's on her property at the end of the day. So she could have went off. But she's like, no, you have the right to do that. Don't take the flag down. I'm all set. We're going to go in a different direction. Thank you so much for coming. And just like, didn't even give him a chance, just exited. And I loved it. Because it's so clear who he is. Like, yeah. same as words, like that doesn't change. People are doing the work, yes, but that doesn't change how you feel. Taking the flag down doesn't change who you are. So why would she give her money? Exactly. To this person. And to your point, when you were talking about, you know, rephrasing like categories in terms of like the Grammys and different things like that. I've said this before and I'll say it so many times before I die. Language expresses mindset. Yes. So people, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Like, I mean, you, yes, you actually did in what you're not saying, right? So language expresses mindset. And so it is one tiny step to change the names and categories and to change how you speak to people. Even, you know, even when you think about what we were talking about with school systems, like honors or advanced, yeah. right? Let's change that because how does that make someone else feel? Mm -hmm. And Language expresses mindset. You have to change your mindset first, of course, right? Like my, my dad was talking about how you have to change your um, attitude in order to change your behavior. You can't just 
turn, you can't just run to taking the Confederate flag off because that's not changing your behavior at all. You have to really go back and unlearn so much. Like there's just so, this goes so deep, literally roots, right? Like the, the movies, it goes so deep that you have to like go back and unlearn. Like it's almost like some people have to go back through from kindergarten and like replay everything that they were taught and unlearn some of it. And that's, that's hard. Like that's why it's going to be a process. It's going to be, we need, like, it's going to take time. It's going to take time for people to unlearn. Cause it's not, a, it's not an easy thing, regardless if it's a, like, has to do with racism or anything. Like you're changing careers. Like that's just hard to unlearn. So that's why at the same time we want the shame. We got to, I feel it is coming. I do feel it with this time around cause it is being recorded. Now we have, real facts on personal experiences. Revolution is um, Yeah, it's outside of the numbers. Like, I don't want to hear numbers no more. Like, nah. Like, let's get down to what it really is. But right. we have to recharge. Like, we have to recharge because it is the long haul. And, you know, people are experiencing, I texted you this yesterday, David, people are experiencing that burnout and fatigue. And it's been, what, two and a half, three weeks? Like, we have to, have to recharge. I know our boy Jeremy, shout out to Jeremy, in his new podcast was talking about that in the most recent episode, right? I'm always talking about self-love, but right now there's some people who've been protesting for 14 days straight and that's beautiful. You got to have things like this where you're having conversations. You have to sign off because imagine never checking in with yourself and recharging. Like you get that fatigue and you're just like, I want my Instagram to go back to normal. I'm tired of these posts or like, I'm actually exhausted. So I'm going to stop calling my parents out and I'm going to just let them, you know, they'll die eventually unfortunately but they'll die eventually and they'll die with those thoughts like that is quite literally what happened the civil rights movement they were going hard and hard and hard and then it was like okay well you know what we reached somewhere and we'll just suck it up and smile and do a little dance with massa because that's as far as we're gonna get Darren, don't laugh don't laugh at me (laughs) what did you guys say Darren? no but just like to your point like you're so right about like so much stuff that we have to unlearn and like i i have so many friends and it's like the 4th of July is like such a big deal. And if I don't just, I, I honestly just can't understand how you can view the 4th of July without proper context. I, I, it baffles me that all these things that like a lot of Americans just hold so dearly, whether it's the American flag, whether it's the constitution, whether it's the 4th of July, like how do you view these things? Just look what they were written and look who they were written about. And look like how do you not put all of this together? Like I, it really just drives me crazy when people are like, Okay, so you want to celebrate America's birthday. What was, what was that? What was the first year was that? 1776? Okay, when was slavery outlawed? Okay, wait, and then, so this this wasn't my birthday. I was still a property then. Okay, got it, got it. And then, wait, when, when can women vote? Okay, got it. So, like, all these things, like, how are you, you're celebrating what? Like, what are you celebrating? And why exactly. is it? And they value, they value something like a flag, which I'm not going to say anything bad about the flag. Oh. That flag touches the ground. Someone drops it. Someone burns it and there's outrage, there's protest, anger, and someone has a knee on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and there's no outrage from some of these people who are mad about wearing masks. It's it's ridiculous. The same people who are like, yes, 4th of July. I was talking with someone yesterday and I was like, yo, because we weren't even taught so much about Juneteenth. Think about it. We were not taught the date in schools. Right. When you really think about it, because you just brought it up, like that should, it makes no sense that it's not a national holiday. Like that alone should be. That's 4th of July, but it's it's when black people were free. Like it should absolutely be a holiday. And yet most people to this day, you'll bring it up and they're like, wait, what? Like I'm right. talking about, I know Trump um, 
changed his rally to stand with his black friends. Like he changed the date of his rally to June 20th. But when I was talking to some friends about it, I was like, yo, he's doing this in Tulsa. This is where that massacre happened. And he's doing it on June 19th. And they were like, so I was like, you know, Juneteenth. And I'm not upset with them because quiet as it's kept, I probably didn't know about Juneteenth until about seven, seven years. I'm I'm on the same boat. I was like, yeah, but now I know. And I can't just not, like, I'm not putting red, white, and blue on to go to a barbecue and watch friends get drunk when I could be like, Kutikinte. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, both points made with the Constitution, things that have written, like, there needs to be an update. Technology exists. There was no technology back then, that alone. And then something as simple as us not being taught Juneteenth how can we expect them to educate us on everything else? Like that should be the glaring point because right. in people's minds, they still think like July 4th is when the slaves were free. Right. That's, that's, that's the, that's the perception. So something as small as you, not small, excuse me, something as big as Juneteenth, not being taught to a whole demographic of Americans, regardless of like a country, like you should know someone's hiding something. If you, if you know about Juneteenth now, you should question everything you've ever learned, exactly. regardless of who told you. Exactly. Like, unlearn the shit that your own family has taught you. You need to learn this, the facts directly from the mouth that it, come, that it came from or the manifesto or whatever that was written. You need to learn it from there. Because not knowing that, that's just, I, I'm like embarrassed not to know that I didn't know about Juneteenth until like three years ago. Me too. Yeah. But, they, but that's how they, they didn't want us to know. Internet is amazing. It is, it is very, it's embarrassing. I feel the same way, but it's like, wow, but I wasn't taught this. Like, and to think about it, Jaren, you were talking about, you know, you, you mentioned all those dates and like to think about the fact that Juneteenth was like almost a hundred years after July 4th, 1776. Right. Right. Like once again, I'm not the best in math, but Juneteenth, June 19th, 1865, like it was almost a hundred years later. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be carrying the number. <laughs> it's just it's just insane. But I'll tell you this, this year it's gonna be celebrated widely. No. It's gonna be celebrated and you know what? It's still not a national holiday, but it will be. And it's gonna be taught like because once you do learn, you can't you can't unsee it, right? Like now that we know, we can't forget it. Yep. We're making sure these allies know and it's gonna be celebrated. What I wanna see is is it won't happen and I'm probably we're gonna lose some listeners here, but I'm like, boycott July fourth. <laughs> let's just like we got Juneteenth but I, I know I know people are going to be upset with that God, we just have to have an honest conversation about it like, like how can we celebrate like a day when like the majority of our population like didn't exist as people under law and it's not it's, it's black people it's women like it's, it's bigger than that like, it's, that's what people forget people forget the, like there's, there's so, like the majority of our like our population did not exist as equal people on the day we celebrate July 4th. Like, why are we celebrating something like that as a country? And that's why the highest regarded people are white males. It's like that day only, it only gave independence to white men with white wigs. Right. That's it. Yeah. I get, I had a, I had a, a, uh, one, one July 4th, I had a conversation with a young lady on July 4th about, because we were talking about um, 
somehow 9-11 came up, just remembering everything about America, July 4th and 9-11, things about that. And they were talking about how, how they felt about Muslim people. Now, this is going off the track, but I'm just giving you an example of like how ignorant some people can be. They were saying because their family member was affected by a person negatively that was of the Islam faith, they felt that all people were like that. And I'm like, one, you can't say that. Two, the irony of the day that we're having this argument, while there's fireworks going back, you're talking, you're celebrating the land of the free, and you're telling people because they believe in something, all these people are bad. Like, the irony of that, I always think about that day because it was the first time, it was Trump's 2016. Since then, I haven't been able to really embrace July 4th. Like, I go out my way to not be a part of celebrations. I take it as more, to your point, I don't boycott it, frankly. Um, I use it as a day of, like, solitude. Nice, That's, I like that. Like, I don't, I want to remember what I know of America and how it has treated me. Because we've talked about, like, me and Jaren have talked about, like, as much as there's white privilege, like, in a black community, there is light privilege as well. Like, I have been afforded opportunities that I'm well aware of, to see how white privilege can work because of my, because the color of my skin, because I was a little bit more easier or accessible. And I'm, I'm always happy to admit that we talked about this way back, but it's even more relevant now. So people understand there's white privilege and there's also light privilege being a black person. I'm still convinced to this day, Obama would not have been elected if he looked like me. Nah, I don't think so. Nah, I don't think so. He's a great man. Don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, people like I was more acceptable. Oh, they knew I had a, you know, a white background as well. I understood on Sundays with an Italian family, we all eat, you know, pasta and bread and sit at the dinner table. Like I understood some things where people were like, how do you know about that? And I'm like, because I'm white, like understanding that, like, and it, it shocks people, but I've seen it with my own eyes. So people can't tell me it don't exist. And I don't know if it's like a a blessing and a curse for being mixed. I never think of it as a curse. So it's more of a blessing, but you can't tell me things like that. The white privilege that she showed on July 4th, when we're supposed to be the land of the free, but you don't like Muslim people because of how a person that has nothing to do with what happened to your family. Everyone is like that now. Right. That doesn't make sense to me. And that's wrong. And it's never, again, like we were talking about earlier, like a, a white man is never judged by his worst traits. Right. Yeah. So like a, a 9-11 happened and like every every Muslim had to like bear the burden of that. Like a black man is on camera doing something, every black man feels that. And like, again, a white man can do something and he's never judged for his worst trait. And that, again, is just tied to the whole bigger conversation of like just systemism with race. Like, it's just- Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of crazy. <laughs> wow. Uh, like Dylan Roof? I only have that top of that mind. Man, they took that man to Burger King after he killed nine yeah. black. I only have that top, top of mind because of Dave Chappelle, but like. It's I've never, they took a kid who admitted to killing a black, like black people in the church because they were black. He was armed and the cops took him to Burger King. I've been thinking about that all week. That blows my mind. Like, that, that's just like, it's, it's, I can't even begin to rap. Like, this is the country we live in where, hey, I just killed a whole bunch of black people and I'm hungry. Like, can I grab a bite to real quick? Yeah, no problem. Then, hey, I use a big 20. Nah, that's punishable by death. Sorry, you don't do that here. Like, what? That's crazy. But listen, change is coming. I know they've been, they've been saying change is coming for since before we were born, but it is. 
It is. Got to stay positive. We got to stay positive. But it's also, you know, white people are being put under a microscope right now from by themselves even. And it is a good thing. Um, You know, and they're saying stuff like we've been saying for years, like, why, why am I being judged because of something another white person said? And I strongly believe, you know, no one should be judged. You don't just one Muslim person did something and so you hate all Muslims, right? That's a person. At the end of the day, that's a person. That's like, that's as bad as someone, that's as bad as someone being a white girl who dates a black man and he cheats on her and now all black men are trash. Right. No, he made a really terrible decision and he, as a person, I'm not going to say is trash, but hurt you. It has nothing to do with these labels. These labels. Race was constructed not by us like Europeans wanted to go and take over and get more land and they created these labels right. and I'm not I'm not saying we don't see color because we need to because we have these beautiful differences that bring us together but it's just yeah that, that really sticks out what you said that like a white man is never judged on his worst trait <laughs> except now right and then one thing I do want to say because I do hear the rhetoric where like a lot of people are jumping and saying well like if that's true then like police officers shouldn't be judged for that and like to me like to just kind of make police officers like the equivalent of entire race is just like doesn't a doesn't make any sense black and a police officer like it's a job it's occupation you can take a uniform off and you can be like you can live a life i can't take my black skin off and just i'm on an off-duty black man that doesn't Exactly. That's the the name of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Write that down. Yeah, (laughs) to that point, it's just, this is, police brutality exists and there needs to be reform, period. And I understand that part of the the protest. But in the last few weeks in my entire life, this has never been about police officers to me because it exists in every company, every corporate company, every school system, Every relationship, it's all about the racism that is just very here, very apparent in our world. Like, it's not about police officers. They can take their uniform off. But to that point, there is this police culture. Um, There is a police culture, no matter what color you are, that you abide by. And that's where you have those folks who are not racist, but (laughs) can't be an off-duty black man. I mean, this, yeah, anyway. Uh, Dave just sent me the the name of the podcast again, and that's so true. But there's this culture that exists, and that's why police officers need to take anti-racism training. You can so very well not be racist and be a police officer, be black and be a police officer, but you're not necessarily speaking up against something that is bad that's happened. And that's what the rest, like the entire world needs to learn about that. Um, And this like idea of taking off your uniform Right. Like cause people are like, well, I'm, I fear I fear each day for, you know, my husband or my father's life. And like I feel for them. I've got uncles who are retired cops and I feared for them, too. But yes, they could take off their badge and not be targeted, but they could never take off their black skin. To your point, uh, my friend's uncle was like, yeah, the, the, I, I came from Germany and people thought I was a terrible person. And I got you know discriminated against and I got all these hate crimes on me. But then I lost my German accent and things were fine. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't lose our skin color. Right. And it's also important just to realize too the history of like policing and like if you oh. really do a deep dive, uh, there's a great book by Michelle Zander called The New Jim Crow. I don't know if any of you all read it, but it really gets into the history of policing and 
it's you're, it's like you need reform there and it's bigger than it's tied to everything else about our country but we realize like why policing is the way it is the roots of it it's roots to like slave catchers all the way now until you're seeing police playing the role of like judge jury and executioner over petty crimes at best you know like if you look at eric garner alone eric garner and george floyd two of the most petty crimes i've ever heard of selling loose cigarettes in a big 20 dollar bill and now the country of law and order and the country of a judge due process is now saying it's okay to execute black men by the police officer not by a judge not by a juror yep. but by the police officer that that is now punishable by death that yeah. is there to protect that is uh, that, that his tax dollars went to. like george floyd's tax dollars went to that police officer that's crazy yeah there was a little kid who was who was really confused they were like wait police officers don't go to law school Oh. Their entire job is the law. <laughs> and I've never thought about that. But that's so true. Like, I know it takes a long time, but would it really be that harmful for them to know a little bit more? Like, come on. But your point, too, um, that book that you described is really great. My uncle, shout out to Uncle Sean, he wrote a book um, called oh, sure. Blue um, Understanding Police Culture Through a Black Man's Eyes. And I've read some chapters of it because he's uh, releasing like chapter by chapter and then a book's coming my way. Sign copy, sign copy, Uncle Sean. It's it's a really interesting perspective because that culture like goes so deep, like you said, straight back to slavery. Um, But to hear from different perspectives because you see one book and someone reads the book you talked about, The New Jim Crow, and they're like, okay, yeah, but that's one person's perspective. It's just like, no, it's not. And there's so many facts into it, too. It's not like she's, like, grabbing an opinion. She's just giving you fact after fact after fact after fact after fact. We even got to, like, something as small as, like, when me and Jaren, we used to go out, like, on the weekend. We started to realize, like, we were only really accepted. And it could have been a mental thing, but we were really only accepted in, like, one bar. So we would go to that same bar, Vaughn. Shout out to Vaughn. That's the spot downstairs. Yes. And it was like the most, it was the only diverse bar. We would go to all these bars and they were never diverse. But Vaughn was like the most accepting. Right. Or like B.O.B. bar. Right. Which is a turn up in itself. I don't even know. I don't even remember (laughs) in there sometimes. But it's just so crazy how so many factors are now putting, that are getting light now. And like people are actually listening which is very encouraging, like to your point, to go back to the beginning, like this next generation coming up, they got their brains in their phones. Like they might be staring. Like I, I love the, um, there was an, there was a meme. It was like generation Z. It was from millennials, like generation Z. I got me nervous. I, I was eating Tide Pods and yeah. <laughs> I was doing all this stuff. But now you are speaking up, you know, thank you so much. Sign millennials. I was like, cause it's real. Like they got to get the credit. Cause none of this would have happened unless they really spoke up because now we have enough backup. And what's beautiful is like our generation, some people in our generation opened that up for them. And now they're also seeing them, their friends. Like you look to your point, Naja earlier, like you look at the screen, we got everybody represented. Like these are people's friends groups. Imagine if like I, you three are on the side of like race, um, anti-racism and I'm on the side of race. Like that's not real no more because like, how can you do that? All my friends are of all different backgrounds of all different shades, of all different nationalities. Like, it's really hard, which is crazy. And now we're able to be that generation, well, coupled with that generation. Just imagine what's coming with the generation following that. Like, I saw little kids in their diapers screaming Black Lives Matter for an Amazon donation. 
because they're matching everything. Like, hey, we're trying to get up to 10,000. Like that stuff is beautiful. I never did that when I was younger. Right. No, I never had that access to information. In my diapers yelling Black Lives Matter, like yeah. it might not happen in our lifetime, just like our parents never thought seeing a black president would be in their lifetime. I don't think racism during our lifetime will be abolished, I guess you could say. But I do have a lot of hope for the Generation Z and the generation coming after that once they have their kids because they're just going to give them the whole work. They're going to have a whole book to teach them. I think it'll be my grandkids where it'll like truly be much different. Yeah. Unfortunately, my grandkids. But also just the simple matter that like families are becoming more and more biracial. Yeah. Like of all, like people are really like mixing cultures, which is so beautiful. It's like people used to think, Oh, they'd say I'm biracial or I'm mixed. They used to say, and you just assumed like, Oh, so you're black and white. Like everything is coming together. By the time I'm mad old and gray and my grandkids are dating people, they're going to be like everyone Everyone's going to be like, it's going to be like this beautiful melting pot as the United States, a true United States, true United States. And that's the goal. Like that's, that's what's going to happen. Everyone's eventually going to look. It's going to happen like me. Yeah. (laughs) What you're saying is that you want the world to look like you. (laughs) Mix people all day, baby. You know, I I support. Yes, we support. Yo, shout out. What's today? June 13th. Yesterday, June 12th. Loving day. You know, shout out to I, Richard and Mildred Loving. Would not be here without that, Lo. Like something like that is so impactful. Like I would not exist if it was elite Virginia, or if yep. I did, I would have to be like on the run or some crazy shit. It's crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yo, this has been amazing, Jaron. You're great. We got to have you back for real. I really like yeah, you. Who's giving me the the curve for? I'm on hell on something. I ain't giving you the curve. <laughs> I told you, Naja got camp in February. Nah, nah, Jaron. I gotta tell you. <laughs> I legit, I said, yo, what's good? I had to write him. I was like, come on, you've been telling me about Jaron. You've been telling me. And I said, can we get him on? I wrote him that this week, don't lie. She did, she did, she did. I she did. did. And that's then we, yeah, he sent me a screenshot. Talking. We're not cutting this, Connor. He sent me a screenshot where he was asking you if you could come on. And he was like, my co-host, such and such. I'm like, you couldn't. <laughs> he said, Jaron doesn't know you. I'm like, that's why you say my co-host, Naja. Come on, my co-host. You, you It's nice to finally chat with you. We know each other. Okay? Yeah, for sure. For sure. My co-host. My co-host. I'm sorry. Our I'm main English. Co-host, host. Co-host, host. Um, <laughs> as David said to you before, we do, and I mean, this has gone long, but it's been beautiful, and I just want to actually continue it, but I know people only have such an attention span. But uh, we have some questions that we do usually ask, and I think you did cover some of it, or at least I see you. I just think you're amazing. I, I want to have you as a, like a co-co-co host. <laughs> but um, a few questions we always ask. So we are obviously called underrepresented representatives. We are the underrepped reps. What does that phrase mean to you? Underrepresented representatives. I love it, actually. Um, so it's for me, I mean, it's, it's like we're talking about like you're represented. Like I have no choice. Like I have to like I am the representative for the white black men. Like I don't have a choice. It, it's not up for discussion. Like every room that I walk into, whether I'm the only one there or it's a room full of us, like I have to, I might be the rest of the world's only view of black men. Like uh, you might get one interaction with a black man a day and it might be me. So like I kind of always have that in the back of my mind in terms of just how I carry myself. Um, not like on some like 
let me be corporate and safe, but just more like I want to make sure that I was authentic and I was myself and I spoke my truth and I never really like veered away from that. So just showing people like, hey, this is possible. So like the next time they sit down with somebody or if they're in an interview and they try and think about their implicit biases, like, no way, I could see somebody like Jaren in this position. Or like, no, remember we did have that person. Jaren, he was fine. Like, it's okay, we can bring another person and another person. So I just want to do that. So we're like, people see me and they're like, okay, like we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. Yes. That's dope. That's dope. Nah, I need you to be like CEO already. <laughs> I'm just ready for it. I'm like, I know. <laughs> Um, I feel like I'm going to ask you this, but I do feel you just shared it. But the second question we always ask is when are times that you felt particularly underrepresented in life? Oh yeah. Like every day, you know, like every time I hop on my Zoom call at 10 30, you know, it's, it's just, it's just me. Um, so yeah, uh, I would say pretty much every day at work, it's always a thing. Even like just, I live in like a predominantly white neighborhood. Um, so a lot of stuff that I do, like I always feel that way, but you know, I think that it's important everybody feels that way to have like a network and to have like a group of friends who look like everybody who you can have candid conversations like this with so you don't always feel alone in that underrepresentation of wherever you are. Oh, I cry. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, listen, yes, estrogen. But like, you're right. So you don't always feel alone because it's just, I, even though that's such a simple word, I haven't thought about that as much when we, and we've been doing underrepped reps for a while, but like, that's what it comes down to. Sometimes we just feel so alone. Yeah. And um, this conversation alone and conversations we've been having personally, that's what's been so beautiful is like, I personally don't feel as alone anymore. And to hear you say that, yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. And that's how me and Quill became friends. Like we were in a very like insulated space where like he was the only person who looked like him in his face. I was like, like me in my space. And without even talking to him about that, like we already knew. That's what it was. And like, it was like, all right, I got somebody over here. Let me go over here. Like, and we don't even work. We wasn't even working for the same company. It was two different no, companies. Exactly. We just had so many interactions. It's like, nah, I'm rocking with you. And that always happens, right? It's like, okay, we're right here. <laughs> I know. I'm sure that happened, David, in Rhode Island. You walk down the street. You're like, okay. I, that's all the time. All the time. I, I always make sure like when I go to places, I look like for me, I look like who's in the room. Like, I need to know what's up. I need to scan the room. I'm already that type of person. If I don't know people, I'm quiet. But if I know people, I'm I'm going to be engaging. But I'm always respectful because I don't know what's going on in them rooms. When I walk into a bar, I see the stairs. I'm I'm moving. They, and most of the time, it's not even because I'm black. They just can't figure out what the hell I am. That's the funniest part. Because yeah. that's a whole nother topic that is finally being discussed. Like, imagine not even being recognized for a national, like any type of white, like they just don't even know. They just like, are you Spanish? Are you black? Are you white? Like, what's up? Well, and now your hair is growing. You never have it this long, and it mm. it's pretty straight. So it's like, oh. nah, <laughs> a, oh, nah, I need a cut. Stop playing. Nah, bro, your hair grows straight. <laughs> so people are probably more confused. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, that's good. Confuse them. You are like, I hear footsteps out there. You are all of these things, like you are a black man, you are a white man, you are a leader. Let me not raise you up because your head's going to get big. It's good. Don't, don't do that. Yeah, let me stop. Don't do that. Stop. Not, not on the podcast. I'll text <laughs> you. Bad, bad, <laughs> but um, all right. And then either from where you are now or from Georgia or from um, where you were living before you moved to Georgia, 
do you have like a hometown hero, somebody who you feel is like doing the work? You've lived, where did you live before Georgia? I was in DC. DC, and then now you're obviously in New York City. Yeah. Um, I would think, I think about like, actually, he, so my freshman coach in basketball, he just got from, so I like, I, my basketball, high school basketball team was like, it means a lot to me. And our coach used to be that guy. Like, he was like a proud black man. Like, he, like, he made sure that we were good. We knew who we were, what we were going. Because in Georgia, we played, we played against men. We used to go to some country towns and, like, we used to get called the N word. We used to have, like, banana pills. Like, it, it, like, that stuff was real growing up, you know? And so we had a coach that always let us know, like, don't be afraid. Don't be passive. Like, be a strong black man. That was with Coach Wade. Um, so he retired. And then my, my on that same staff was Coach Smith. And he actually just got promoted to head coach. He was kind of taking that legacy back. He's hiring a lot of uh, former players. So just to see him, like, both Coach Smith and Coach Wade are the first two people I think about whenever I think about home. And, like, just instilling that confidence in us. Like, hey, you don't have to walk away. You don't shy away from any of that. Like, be confident who you are. Be comfortable who you are, no matter where you are. And you could be in the, the mountains of Georgia. You could be in Oconee County. You could be wherever. And just have that sense of confidence and pride in who you are. That's right. Oh, man. And yeah. so you said that was Coach Smith. Coach Smith and Coach Wade, yeah. Nice. I love it. I love it. Coach Smith and Coach Wade. I'm going to quote them. Um, and then finally, I can just tell from – speaking to you and meeting you for the first time right now that you are a leader. You've always been a leader to, to be in, in grade school and not stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance, right? That you were educated and you were a leader even then and they didn't even understand it. Um, so I'm not allowing you to disagree. Sometimes we ask this question and people are like, I don't think I'm a leader. I'm not allowing you, Jaren, to disagree. <laughs> you are a leader. And my question is, what do you feel makes you a leader? In today's uh, society? Thank you. Um, I just try to lead by example. I guess that's the only thing I can really think of. Like, I'm very like highly aware of who I am, and so when I see people, I want to make sure that I try and do the right thing. You know, no matter what that looks like. But I think just leading by example and doing the right thing is like it kind of just sets the tone for whatever you're doing. So if like I look around, and I see everybody just like wilding out or doing something. It's like it sets the tone. Like you, you bring in your energy, like you bring yourself to that table. So for me, I just try to lead by example, do the right thing, and just hope that everybody else does the same thing. Nice. Yeah. Lead by example. Oh, I can't wait to meet you in person. Okay. Yeah. All right, David, you're going to do the honors. I'm going to pull up the music. We have a very special presentation for you, Jaren. Okay. Jay Kerr. Hold on, you hit me with a big word. Coronation, <laughs> 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 the coronation. I'm going to get you. Oh, my coronation. I got you. I got you. We deem you. Did you play the music? I'm, I'm terrible at all this stuff. Oh, God. They should be messing up. You are our Connor. Okay. Hello? Naja always does this thing where she deems the person on, so I'm gonna give you the coronation. We deem you as the under rep rep of the week. Thank you. <laughs> I can't hear the music, Naj. Yeah. No, that's all like it's awkward. <laughs> you can't hear it. Can't hear it. Now you can. It goes in and out. But now, nah, man, we definitely. Curry is the underrep of the week. Now, but we definitely appreciate you being on, my man. I know, I know you ain't. You don't like talking too much, but <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, speaking your truth. That was most important for me to have you on. Um, and when I was speaking to the team about you and like what you're doing, just keep on 
you know, me and you are going to talk, but we got to keep on fighting the good fight and doing the right thing. So appreciate you. Thank you for having me.